I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. So this is weird for a few reasons. This is my 100th episode of my Side Hustlers podcast. Now, we recorded this episode in February 2020, which was about a month before the actual 100th episode would air, which means we kind of recorded it at 96, but it's posting at 100. That's the best way to explain this. Now, why did we do that and how did that happen? Well, it was a mistake. So my producer Houston and I were trying to figure out how many episodes we hit. Would we count the episodes that we recorded at the end of each year that were kind of recaps? Did they count? What did count? What didn't count? And so on. At first, there was some confusion of where the 100th episode was. So when we booked and scheduled the date to have Laura Burkhardt as the guest at the Full Moon Market, we had thought that was around the time it was the 100th episode. By the time we realized that it would be posting today, March 30th, 2020, it was too late to move the event. And we figured it was great. Don't, it didn't matter. We could post it whenever because that's how the podcast world works anyway. But now looking back, that mistake was the single best thing that happened to the 100th episode. Because if we scheduled it for this past weekend, it would have been canceled because social distancing and the coronavirus. And I had a moment this weekend where I realized that mistake was one of the best things that happened. And I think that was kind of a learning moment. And it should be for you too, that when a mistake happens, it's not the end of the world. And it may actually work out for you in the end. And I'm super grateful for that mistake because now you get to hear how freaking cool this event was, what it was like to be around people, <laughs> what it was like to have a room full of friends 
physically supporting you in one place. It was one of the coolest moments of my entire life, and I will never forget this night. Laura Burkhart, she is amazing. She has become a friend over the last year. She's got a really cool business, Laura Burkhart Creative. You can find her online. She is currently making the headboard for my bedroom. She's an amazing artist, an amazing human with an incredible story, and I could not have had a better guest for my 100th episode. So let's get into my 100th episode of Side Hustlers with Laura Burkhart. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. Hey, you guys awake? What? No, after that, I think we all just had a heart attack. I know Tawny did. Hi, guys. Well, this is awesome. Um, thank you very much for having us here to celebrate 100 freaking episodes. This is insane. So I started this podcast like for the same reason a lot of the guests on my podcast started their side hustle. I had room on my plate, or at least I thought, for more things. And I didn't know what that was going to be. And I threw around some ideas. I wanted to do a podcast where I would interview different Instagram influencers and then I realized they were all, it was just going to be the same thing over and over again. I just wanted to know how and why they did what they did. And then I started realizing, well, that's probably their side hustle. And then I also realized that so many of my actual friends had side hustles. And I thought, this is such a cool thing. All these people are doing something else other than their day job. Why not talk to them? And I did. And here we are two years later, a hundred people, more than a hundred people later at this point, because some people have three people on their, um, on the podcast because of their job. So it's wild, the community that we've been able to create. And it's been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. I've learned so much from my guests and they're just the most hardworking people. When you surround yourself with those people, you realize that you have way more hours in the day than you think you have because you can see what they do. So thank you to everyone who's been on this podcast who has changed my life. And it's really cool what it's done for me in radio. And I say this to radio people all the time. Doing my own podcast made me so much better at my day job because I was able to do things on my own and I learned more skills that I didn't know I needed to learn just from doing this. So thank you for listening and supporting this podcast for as long as you have. If you're listening at home or here or wherever, thank you. So this beautiful person sitting next to me is actually the reason we're here today, Laura Burkhart. Hi, Laura. Hi. So Laura is... Very well known in the Pacific Northwest. Obviously, she and Tawny have Full Moon Market. That's why we're here at this space. But Laura is an artist known for her Northwest-inspired paintings, woodwork, and designs. But she's actually a friend to me at this point. We met a little over a year and a half ago, and we'll get into that in the podcast. But you can see Laura's work all over Seattle. And just some of the places are The Collective, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Feathered Friends, Seattle Pilates Collective, September Shop, and Coming Soon... To my bedroom, which we'll get into, which I'm super excited about. And Netflix, big deal. We're also going to talk about that. But Laura, this was obviously a side hustle at some point. It's no longer a side hustle. So you decided you needed to create another side hustle, this market, (laughs) because why not do more things? Uh, But take us back in time. You were an art major. You went to school for interior design after that. And this was your side hustle. Creating this beautiful artwork was your side hustle. So take us back in time when you had a corporate job. So I was an art major and 
you know, when you choose to be an art major, I think you're sort of just deciding like, okay, I love art and I'm just going to work my butt off the rest of my life to do art, but how do I make a living? You know, like that's a whole separate thing when you're thinking about being an art major. So I felt like I needed a more marketable skill, thus the interior design. Really, the art is the thing I kept coming back to, but I always needed a job. So yeah, I've always had jobs in the industry of art and design while side hustling my personal art and design. I worked for a designer starting right off the bat. So I would do like her designs during the day, her aesthetic. Then I'd go home and do my own aesthetic, you know, on the side. I do her blog, her design blog. Then I go home and do my blog. And then I got what I thought was my dream job. What was my dream job for a while at Free People. So as an artist, I would love to work at Free People. Yeah. And like that was the most amazing opportunity because it was a full time job to be an artist and a creative to build displays and windows and installations and stores of this brand I loved so much. And that was a really amazing opportunity to be creative all the time. And you had art all the time. Travel all over doing that. Yeah. So I was part of the Northwest West Coast, but I would go to store openings all over the country, do displays all over the country, travel to the home office to Philadelphia all the time. So a lot of travel, a lot of time on top of a ladder, hanging things from the ceiling, all that. And I would still on the side on the weekends, I was showing my art, painting, doing design projects for people, just little things here and there always. It was so creatively fulfilling, but I still so badly needed to be doing like my personal work always on the side. And then you also had a job at Filson here. Yeah. So I left Free People to full-time do my own work. But six months later, I started working for Filson here because I sort of jumped into that with a, a little less prepared, which we'll talk about then this time. But again, I was always called to sort of do my own work, and it was a struggle because I was in a dream job, but I still just needed to be doing it on my own. But Filson was based here, so that was like a big draw. Again, an amazing opportunity to get to do what I love to do full time, you know, with benefits, which was awesome. Lovely. Yeah, and stability and that sort of thing. And that, of course, drew me back, and it was a great opportunity. I got to, again, do a lot of the things I love, but I still constantly felt called to do my own work on the side. And I had been doing my own business before that, so it was just sort of then juggling it. How long were you side hustling then how many years was that i mean we're, we're talking about maybe 12 years at this point on and off yeah so when you left free people in 2016 you said you tried to go full-time with laura burkhart creative didn't work out yeah. why did it work out the second time when you left filson in 2018 so i think the first time i didn't really have like the local connections that i did after learning for filson because for free people i was traveling all over the country and i did have a ton in my portfolio a ton under my belt you know i could come out of that job saying like i've done so many murals let me paint a mural for you i've done all these windows but i still just it had almost felt like i was living somewhere else and then i came back to seattle and was like hey i'm here i've been here all along but just none of you know about me so between that and I think just not being fully prepared at, at all the overhead that you really have when you're doing your own business, everything from insurance, taxes, you know, needing to the pay for stuff. all your own supplies. And when you're self-employed, like you're every job in that thing, you know, so no longer was I just an artist. I also have to be, you know, the, the financial analyst of my business. I have to manage everything, the calendar, all the emails that are coming in and out. Like that's me. But you've told me you like doing the taxes. I do. I find like, I feel it's very empowering. (laughs) I like sitting down and really like understanding what's going in and out. 
I, I mean, as you can see, I have the kind of business. It's it's not straightforward. You know, I don't have like an exact thing that I'm selling for the exact number every month that I know what my overhead is. I know how much I'm making. I, it's really sort of a crapshoot. <laughs> so it does help for me to sit down and sort of go back over everything and really understand like where I'm spending, like what is making me more money versus not what maybe is like not worth as much my time. And I just, I like understanding that and going, okay, I got this. And it just, it makes me feel like I have more of a handle on it going forward. There were, there have been a few people in my podcast who have said, well, when I left my full-time job, I was just thinking, everyone says leap and the net will appear. You do not follow that motto at all. You do not agree with that, but no. it's okay if people do, but that's not what yeah. you've done. I mean, I definitely was called to do that many times, like just leap. <laughs> I mean, I definitely went the route of like handcrafting that net, I like to say like getting all the tools I could ever possibly need to repair that net, mm -hmm. knowing that it would need to catch me and spent years and years doing that to the point where I knew when I left, like it was there because you know you're going to fall, you know, like that's oh, yeah. the idea, like something needs to catch you. And for me, the thing that needed to catch me was like all the years that I had put into building that foundation. What did you take from your day jobs at Filson and Free People and then use in your side hustle now full-time job? I mean, everything. Like I had the amazing opportunity to work in these spaces that were, you know, letting me learn new skills all the time. You know, we would, in both those jobs, it was like figure out, get inspired by something, get an idea, and then go figure out how to make it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had this amazing opportunity as an artist to like learn how to do all these different mediums in my full-time job. And then, you know, some of them of course stuck in my personal work. I mean, like a gold leaf and silver leaf thing, that's all free people. You know, we would metallic everything. <laughs> Before Filson, I did a lot of my woodwork by hand nailing it because, you know, I couldn't afford to get a brad nailer yet. You know, I wasn't there yet. I was like doing it all on the side and putting money away. And then there were a lot more tools. I just sort of year after year started to like learn how to use and go, oh, you know what? I, I could use that in this different way. Why did you ultimately leave Filson? Like you've said, you obviously loved your day jobs. You were getting to be creative at work other than saying, all right, I'm ready to do this full time. What was your reasoning of just quitting and then doing this? Well, I feel like every time I've made some sort of big leap, there's been some huge like life altering event that's given me that last sort of push. So, you know, years and years ago, I lost my brother. That was the biggest push for me to just follow my heart, do what I wanted to do. I threw my back out, right, as I was <laughs> contemplating leaving free people. And that to me was just like, you know, it's time to like stay grounded, do my own thing. And with Filson, I actually was pregnant and I miscarried. And that to me was like, okay, time to just do the damn thing <laughs> that I'm ready yeah. to do. And, you know, things like that really just put your life in like immediate perspective so as much as I had been contemplating these things and again, like building that net, there is a point where it's just, it's like, you know what, you, you know what you want to do and it's time to just do that. Like, you know, time yeah. is precious. And I think that's what those big events always remind you. Like we only have so much time. Well, your brother actually helped lead you to finding your passion of art. You've always kind of done art. And a lot of people have been on this podcast will find their passion well into their life, like forties, thirties decide, I'm not going to be an accountant anymore. I'm going to go grow flowers somewhere. It's just, it's always so different, but you've kind of always known what you've wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I think my parents are here. They can attest that like at age five, I was like, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up. And they were, you know, so encouraging, always gave me the supplies. And I just kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. It was more just a matter of like 
how do I make it work? Um, my brother was on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, computer science major, worked at Google, all that. So to me, he had this very laid out career that he was going to be fine. But he was always really encouraging. He was like, no, I was trying to do different majors. I was like, okay, well, what major really can I get a job doing? And he was like, you love art. You're good at art. That's what you want to do. That's what you should major in. And I was just like, okay, yeah, that makes sense now that you sort of logically say yeah. that. And to me, if someone that has this totally opposite career that is, you know, a little more standard, you know, you can make a living, can see that clearly. Like, why can't I see that clearly for myself? It was like, I'll make it work. Well, you did. <laughs> One of the scariest things for people when they are leaping and finally going out full time is, well, how am I going to find customers? How did you find customers? Because it's not like you had a storefront. It's not like you really had T-shirts you could sell and wear around. You're not going to walk around with these huge pieces of woodwork. So how did you find customers for your art? Um, well, I definitely have walked around with pieces of woodwork. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I've definitely been there. I mean, when I first started, again, like Instagram didn't exist. Facebook had just started when we were in college. It was wow. really <laughs> reaching out to people. <laughs> I'm dating myself. <laughs> it was very much just reaching out to people, just saying, hi, I'm Laura. I make art. <laughs> and just, you know, would you like to show my work here? I mean, that's a, just that sort of like pounding the pavement and just meeting people and putting yourself out there over and over and over again. Like that, that was the way to do it. And that kind of continues to be the way. Well, a lot of people have imposter syndrome where they don't like telling people, what they do. They're kind of embarrassed of quote unquote bragging, even though that's not what you're doing. You're promoting yourself. You don't have that. I mean, I, I feel like I've always identified as an artist. So that part of it has never been a problem for me. I certainly have imposter syndrome in a lot of other areas of running the business. But I also like understand that like there's so much out there and I'm not going to expect someone to find me. Right. You know, like you may reject me, but you're not rejecting me until I've put myself in front of you and shown me your stuff, you know, so I'm not sort of going to sit around and hope that someone just finds me and finds my work. You know, at this point, that certainly happens. And that's amazing. But it's only after years of really just putting it in front of people. And that causes a lot of rejection. But, you know, you just ignore all the rejection and just focus on the yes, even if it's one yes, you know. Well, as you're talking about rejection, I know you do have a kind of a wild story of a time when you were rejected from actually a few different things. I mean, the reason this market exists, not a few, you know what I mean. The, so, so many okay, rejections. You, you were rejected from some markets. Yeah. So then you did what? You created... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely was turned down from some bigger markets I would have liked to be a part of and then some I participated in and just didn't feel like they were my vibe. And so, yeah, Tony and I got together and we said, why don't we do this like ourselves and kind of come at it from a different angle and make it something that feels warm and fuzzy to us because markets didn't. So that's that was a big part of it. But look how something awesome came out of that. I mean, yeah. you've created this amazing space for local makers to be able to show off their work every week in an affordable way compared to other markets. I mean, a lot of people don't realize there are big markets in Seattle where it costs close to $1,000 to have a booth for the weekend. And for a small business who this is their side hustle, they can't afford that. And if they can, then they have to hope that they're going to sell at least a thousand dollars worth of stuff that weekend. Yeah. You're and starting you off like in the red, which is so hard because usually if you're a maker, you're starting off in the red anyway. Yeah. That was really hard. Yeah. One of the other rejections that we talked about right when we met was this was maybe like 10 years into having shown my paintings all over Seattle. I fully hung a show and was told to take it down and back it back up and like drive away. 
it was devastating, you know, and I was I, like, just so you know, I just saw faces and their mouths just dropped in the audience. And when oh, Laura yeah. originally told me this story, it was like, as you were telling me, like I could hear how heartbroken you were that day, like hanging up all your artwork in a store and then being told, never mind, take it down. And I know it was hard for you after that to then put yourself out there. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, every rejection, you're just like, I'm never going to paint again. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, it's, you kind of have to have that moment, you know, and, and roll past it and have your support system of people in your life. They're going to be like, of course you're going to paint again. You know, think of all the people that have purchased your work, all the people that do want your work at their space. You know, you need that reminder, but every rejection still is pretty heartbreaking, especially when it's like that much of just a, you know, a sort of a disrespectful one where you're like, oh, yeah. oh you don't even care about my feelings at all. Okay. <laughs> no. Because putting your art out in the world is already just like, here's my heart and soul. What do you think of it? You know, that's, that is what it is on a constant basis. So, you know, people not liking it, you accept that, but that's still a little bit of a rejection of yourself, you know, but you're still doing it. But yeah, something that sort of blatant, it, it definitely took a toll on me and it took a minute to get back in the saddle. But you've had some super rewarding and really cool experiences like being on Netflix. So you were <laughs> featured on episode one of Stay Here on Netflix where they yep. go around and they basically redo or remodel people's vacation homes so that they can then Airbnb them. And Laura was on episode one. It's a houseboat here in Seattle. And yep. how did they find you to design that really cool door? So I was actually in a full-time job at the time and side hustling this work. And I sold some of these smaller pieces at September Shop is what it's called now. It was called Tides and Pines. And when they were in town shooting, the producers were just sort of shopping around Seattle. It was a Friday afternoon after work. I happened to be in the store also. And they walked in and just said, you know, what's this work? Is this a local artist? And she was like, oh, she's actually right over there if you want to chat with her. So this guy just started chatting with me, asking me about stuff, looking at my Instagram, flipping through my pictures. And was like, what about this? What? Oh, you did this? And, you know, I have no idea who he is at this point. And then he just says, like, how long would this take you to make? And I'm like, it takes a while. It takes a bit. Yeah. He's like, do you think you could have something like this made by, like, Monday? And I'm like, I don't know. And then he sort of tells me, well, we're in town for this. Genevieve Gorder has this new show. She's, like, a design icon. She was on Trading Spaces, all that. So I was like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah. I don't know who you are. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, long story short, he called me later that Friday night. And it was it was just, like, a make-it-work moment. And I spent the entire week on, weekend in the workshop. And then I dropped it off after work on Monday and then shot with them that evening. This is where our connection comes in. And I, I always, every episode of my podcast, like to talk about networking and connections and how people meet each other and the importance of introducing people and letting them create amongst themselves. So I was with my friend Taylor, who is actually here right now. We were hanging out on a houseboat. And next to us was this houseboat who had this really, really cool door and this sick woodwork. And I took a picture in front of it and my Instagram caption was something along the lines of how cool is this door behind me, blah, blah, blah. And everyone starts commenting and tagging Laura saying that's at Laura Burkhart. And I'm like, what? And then she comments and does the little hand wave emoji. <laughs> yeah, that was me. So I they're like, it. Netflix, stay here. So I go home that day and I watch it and I'm like, this is so cool. So we start chatting on Instagram and then my friend Taylor, who I was on the houseboat with and I went to a 
one of your paint class, one of your paint and sip classes. Yeah. That was the night we met. And then you and I got dinner afterwards and it was like, we had known each other forever, yeah. but we met on Instagram, yeah. which was crazy. And here we are now almost a year and a half later yeah. doing this. We've been talking about doing a live podcast since that night. Yeah. And here we are, which is wild. But as an artist on Instagram, is it easy? Is it hard? What is it like? I mean, we met and that's been a great connection, yeah. but it's not always easy. Like all the good of Instagram for sure outweighs mm-hmm. that, right? Like we're all here and connected to each other ultimately because of that, which is so amazing. But but yeah, it's a, it's a whole different game. I mean, not only as an artist, you have all these people in front of you that are just doing it so much better than you all the time, you know, like constant like comparison, which is, is hard enough when you're doing that to yourself as an artist. And then, yeah, it's just, it's also just putting, it's making a very saturated market of people who are sort of seeing your stuff with no understanding of sort of like artistic plagiarism, you know, probably didn't go to art school and learn that whole course and are just kind of like, that's cool and making it all over the country, all over the world, really. And that happens a lot, you know, especially since that houseboat came out, people tag me, they're like, oh, is this yours? I'm like, nope, looks exactly the same, but you know, that's someone else making it. But I think you know, you just have to like accept that. And if you're me as an artist, I mean, I think in art school, you go through it. Your goal is to make something that you've never seen before. You know, your goal is to make something that no one else is making yet. And that's where this style of woodwork for me came about. It was to start, you know, kind of figuring it out in my backyard a whole different way. If I'm going to start putting anything like this out in the world, it's got to be different and me. Otherwise, why am I doing it? And that's where this came. And you know, now it's out there and I'm just going to keep rolling with, you know, what I'm doing moving forward as an artist, always creating new stuff and just kind of, kind of got to let that go. Well, then how do you deal with that concern that you're going to post something and then someone may just copy it? I mean, yeah, I kind of get upset in the moment and then I just say, it's okay. Like I, you know, like if, if you're someone that's, I think, looking to someone else and taking their idea, then that's where you are and that's where it stops, you know, and I'll keep coming up with new ideas and that's, what my goal as an artist always is to do. So God, I mean, it sucks, but <laughs> yeah, of course. So anyone launching a business for the first time has to think, well, how much do I charge for this? And if you've got a t-shirt company or you're making jewelry, you kind of can look around and know what other people are charging. But as an artist, I don't even know where you start because the hours you put into things. So how do you know your value of your artwork? How do you figure that out? That's by far the hardest part, I think, and always has been. I think will probably always be a challenge. I think with art, in my experience, you just you work up to it. You know, like I've done so much work for free, (laughs) so much or, you know, for the payment being for me to have my name on it, because I did a lot of artwork in you know, in my corporate jobs, but that didn't have my name on it, you know? So there were a lot of times where I was like, I've done 20 murals, but if this mural could just have my name on it, I'll give it to you, you know, cause that that's worth something as an artist, you know? So yeah, I, I just gradually worked up and then, and you start to understand like what your cost is. And I think it's hard because yeah, it's not, there's no really industry standard. Like if you're getting your hair done, you kind of know about how much it's going to be. Yeah. And people think, oh, you love it and it's your passion. So it must be so fun for you. So you shouldn't have to, you know, pay much for it. But the reality is it it costs a lot and it it costs a lot to, you know, like I've invested at this point so much time, so much money into all the the tools I have, all the skills I've learned have taken time to learn. You know, I've done a lot of practicing at this point and it's just sort of like 
understanding my overhead, understanding my time and what that's worth and understanding like, you know, what I'm confident I can deliver. And, you know, if it's something I've never done before, like I'm not going to charge you much for that because, you know, but if it's something that I have been doing for years and years and years and it's my bread and butter and I know how much goes into it, I know the time it's really going to take, what it's going to take out of me to create it. And then I know my overhead, which is paying a mortgage, paying my bills, (laughs) paying insurance and like getting all the supplies and the time, you know, that all has to be factored in. So someone as a new artist, like just coming out onto the scene, they need to be able to know that they're going to have to do some things for free. They're going to have to put in their time, essentially. It's like interning almost. Yeah. I mean, you did it and it worked out for you, but there are definitely people who would tell someone, know your value, no way, don't do anything for free. I think it's however you want to do it. And I I personally, that was why I side hustled it, you know, because I knew it was going to sort of take that to build slow and steady, build this thing. And yeah, I remember going to the art supply store and putting something on a credit card and just being like, oh, I cannot afford more paint right now <laughs> or whatever it was, you know. And just like if I just sell one painting, it might make this like a little bit worth it. But it was it was just that sort of thing or knowing that I had this full-time job and that was going to pay my bills so that I could really afford to like hone my skills, gain those contacts, make those connections, create work, get my work out into the world before it needs to be the thing that's paying my bills. So that was just my approach. Well, you keep talking about paying bills and that's, well, a lot of people will reach out to me now and say, Hey, can you start asking your side hustlers what they do for insurance when they go out on their own? And it's something that I never really thought of. And it is a great question because especially in your case, so your husband, Jake is also self-employed. He co-owns Seattle Pilates collective, check them out. It's a great workout, (laughs) but how do you guys do that? How do you have insurance if you don't have the benefits of a corporate job. Yeah, you pay a lot for insurance. <laughs> but <how do> you <laughs> um, it yeah, out? I mean, that's a huge part of it. We spent a lot of time, you know, speaking with insurance brokers, looking over policies, trying to figure it out before I left my corporate job if it was going to be doable. And factoring that in is like a whole new line item bill and overhead. You know, it's really a big part of it. I think that was something the first time. I did leap into the side hustle. I didn't fully understand. So that was sort of a rude awakening (laughs) that time, which is why, you know, going back to benefits sounded so good, but it's just like, I mean, it's doable. It's just a cost. And that's just another thing that, and you're paying a lot of taxes when you're self-employed. So you might start off thinking, oh, I can, you know, I can do this painting and just charge this. And then by the time you're paying taxes on it and doing all your things, you're like, well, that was sort of a wash. Well, I know you also looked at the numbers before you had your baby, Dakota. Oh, yeah. So you also had a plan for your birth the same way. So yeah. what the, how do you know how much a baby's going to cost and how do you I figure mean, out? I don't know. Out? We're only six months in, so I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> but I think I sort of prepared for having a baby the same way I did for, you know, while I was side hustling, preparing to leave the job for the side hustle. You know, like I was super pregnant, just working my butt off. Okay, when she says working her butt off, she was like nine months pregnant with her belly using a saw. That baby will sleep through anything. Yeah. I have witnessed her sleep at a cafe with a blender on like yeah. it's nothing. So if you want to know how to get your baby to sleep, just yeah. use a saw for a few months while you're pregnant. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I mean, and we checked with the doctor. Don't worry. Her hearing is fine. <laughs> like it was fine. But yeah, I, I knew everyone was like, just relax. You're pregnant because once the baby comes, you're not going to be able to sleep. And I was like, 
yeah, but I need to get this done now because yeah. I don't have a maternity leave. It's paid for, you know, I don't, I need to set things up for myself. So I really put in that extra time knowing that I was going to have less time mm -hmm. when I had a baby and that I would need to prepare for that and that I needed to put things in place. And, you know, I think now I'm sort of just working off of this foundation that I painstakingly built for yeah. so long. And that's why, why it's working for me. I mean, shout out to the moms who start something after having kids, like, you're amazing. I can't even imagine because now yeah. my my brain is just mush and I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling. You know, it's hard. It's a whole new thing. It's a whole new way of life. But I've set some things in place for myself and really worked hard to do that before having her. So have you had to change the way Laura Burkhart Creative operates since you've had Dakota? Oh, yeah. I mean, 100 <laughs> percent. I mean, it just operates less for one thing. I was sort of like packing every single moment of my day and now it's just the days that I'm just me and the baby all day like I can barely send an email you know I used to have like 25 things on my to-do list and if I didn't get to those last two I was like oh, Laura you gotta do better tomorrow you know <laughs> but now it's like two things on my to-do list and if I can get them done it's like I crushed it today that's awesome <laughs> yeah so it's a whole different way of operating for sure one of the things I learned working with Laura is that she doesn't plan her artwork and that was the most insane thing to learn for me so Laura's working on a headboard for my bedroom and we talked about the size and the colors. And then we started talking about the design. And she's like, oh, no, I just start. And I'm like, what do you mean you just start? So explain to everyone how you actually do this or don't do it. I mean, I wing it is what I know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, essentially, I'm just I'm I come from things always as such an artist, not sort of a, a planner. And when things take a lot of planning and measuring, I'm a lot less interested in it. And you know, I'm sort of have this design in my head and I'm coming up with it. But for me to put it on paper and measure it out ahead of time and plan it is going to take so much more time, first of all. But also, like, that's not the fun part for me. No. I like designing, like, as I go from the inside out. I'm sort of cutting. It's all, like, in my head. I'm eyeballing things. And, it, you know, it all comes together. And I, what that means is I can't really, like, hand it off to anyone at any point. But it, it's an enjoyable process for me. And I'm I'm cutting that stage out at least. Where do you do all of this work? Well, in my backyard now. While I was pregnant, we finally got a workshop built in our backyard. But before that, it was like a very tiny workshop up the front of the house, which was just like, then the dining table became also my stuff. And then the bedroom, which is now the baby's nursery, was my art studio. So now I do it mostly in the backyard in this workshop that we built and sort of half finished and got the walls and the tool wall in while she was two weeks overdue, thankfully. <laughs> But. She did wait a little extra time in there. Yes. So I know that your parents and your husband are here, but was there a moment when you told everyone, all right, I'm leaving and I'm going to go do this full time where they were like, oh, don't do that, Laura. Or were <laughs> I, they, was everyone always like, yeah, you got this. Go quit your job. I mean, I think everyone's always like, what, but how are you going to, you know, like eat? How are you going to eat? Yeah. How are you going to pay your <laughs> bills? But what about insurance? And, you know, like definitely like having a baby and doing it but how are you going to have kids if you want to do that you know and that was I think one of the biggest draws of going back to a corporate job I just felt like yeah I need to have benefits and a laid out maternity leave to be able to do this but for me and my lifestyle the reality is, is this works this works so much better and you know luckily everyone was supportive I think everyone was kind of like throwing out the caution but knew I would figure it out you know I would make it work I think when you're really called to do something and you just know in your heart and soul that's what you're meant to do like you're gonna make it work you'll yeah. find a way absolutely 
And I'm going to get into a Q&A in a second. So if you guys haven't been thinking of questions, uh, start now. So get your brain, your gears going. But what would you say to other side hustlers, someone who is in the middle of it right now, grinding out like day job, 40 hours a week, going home 20 hours, one day m maybe wanting to take that side hustle full time. Like what advice do you have for Laura 10 years ago oh or gosh. like a Laura 10 years ago? <laughs> I mean, Some of them I are in the say, audience right now, by the way, those people that I'm talking about. I mean, I definitely feel like at the end of the day, like any success I have or when things work or whatever comes in is a direct correlation to what I'm putting into it. You know, so if you put the work in, like it will work, it will happen, it will come. If you if you wait, if you kind of are someone that wants to be comfy, wants things to come to you, I'd say stay in the day job because that is the comfortable place and that's a great setup. And the, there are assets to that that like, you'll never have again. But you know, if you know in your soul that that's what you want to be doing and that you are willing to sort of like grind for it and, and give up a lot of things and wear all those different hats. And if that's worth more to you, then, um, you know, sort of the comforts, you know, then maybe even like a big vacation, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there, there are a lot of things that we sort of sacrifice for the day-to-day -day lifestyle that we, you know, have found that we really prefer. But it's worth it for you guys. For sure. It's worth it for us. But I, I know that it, it just depends on how you are. So I'd say really like understand how you want to spend your days, understand what's important to you and what's not. And like, if you know what's important to you, you know what your passion yeah. is. I mean, like you said, a lot of people spend like a lot of their life just trying to figure out what their passion is. So if you're someone that's lucky enough to know what your passion is, to know what like your gift is in life and to know in your heart and soul what you're meant to be doing, like that alone is pretty amazing. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say go with it. I know that this journey hasn't been easy for you and it's been really cool just getting to know you over the last year and a half. And it's wild seeing what you have put together and with Tawny in this market and what you guys have done. It's, incredible so a thank you for sharing your story b letting me be a part of it and be a part of your life is that dakota making noises Dakota's crying. <laughs> she's, she's cheering for you i love it okay so does anyone have questions for laura for me for oh we got someone alexandria i guess my main question is is when you very first started out with your artwork how did you promote it because i build furniture on the side i work in construction and then my boyfriend he does you know tree work removing trees and stuff so i obviously have a surplus of lumber That's and cool. i can build furniture from it but it's how do i market that yeah i mean i think that goes back to like the pounding the pavement thing like find yourself a project that will showcase your work and put it in front of someone because every project leads to the next one you know so find someone that will that needs some furniture that is in a space where people are going to see it you know and then that that will lead to the next one and that will lead to the next one you know and of course there's instagram and social media but i think that actual like in person and just going out into seattle like what are spaces that you like that your furniture would fit well into can you offer someone like hey can i make you a chair for this spot and maybe just like put my business card next to it. Like that will lead to something. I promise you. Like people remember. I mean, Carla Marie picked up my business card years ago. Yeah, actually, it's kind of wild that before the whole tagging Laura on Instagram thing, oddly enough, I was at a market and saw all of her work and took a business card and knew that I had seen her somewhere when I saw her on Netflix. And then after we had met months later, I was going through a bunch of business cards I got at that market and hers was in there. And it was just, it was so weird, but it's true. And I still, I have them. And I ended up reaching out to a lot of those people for being on this podcast. So 
what Laura is saying, getting your stuff out there is super, super important. I mean, your work, Laura, is in places all over Seattle, and I'm sure you get customers from seeing your artwork hung up other places. Yeah, and some of those places paid me and some of them didn't. Okay. <laughs> like, that's the truth. I mean, there are some projects that I really was just like, hey, if I could get my artwork on this wall, it's worth it to me. You know, and some places reached out to me, but they all were connected to each other and people, for the most part, found me through there. Like, yes, people are finding you through social media, but for the most part, like, they're walking yeah. into some space and they're, they're seeing your space. So if you can get your stuff in front of people, I promise the rest will follow. So Amber was also on an episode of Side Hustlers. <laughs> uh, my question is, what artist or designer would you love to meet? Ooh, I'd say Kelly Wurstler. Who's that? Uh, so she, <laughs> tell us, I don't know. <laughs> so when I was in art school and interior design school, she was sort of like the, the one like woman icon doing like okay. this thing where she had this whole brand that was her aesthetic. It was totally out there, just like lots of color, very much her own thing. And it trickled down into like artwork, furniture, design, all that. And I just, she was always sort of an idol of mine. So that's who I would say. Katie has a question. How do I know all of your names? <laughs> I swear I didn't pay people to come today. Um, what sacrifices have you had to make to get to this point? And how do you find balance now, especially now that you're a mother? Okay. Balance is the hardest thing mm -hmm. always. And now that I'm a mother finding balance, I think I'm still like in the midst of figuring that out. So I don't know if I can even answer that question in like a way that might be helpful. But I'd say before that, like sacrifices are, you know, I think like for the most part, we don't have much of a day off. I think we sort of glamorize having your own businesses every day being a day <laughs> off when it's sort of the opposite. You never get to like turn off the business. You never get to walk away from it. And, and when you are taking time away to walk away from it, that's income lost. You know, you're not getting like paid time off. Like, yeah, I can take time off whenever I want, but that's like saying like, I can decide not to make an income whenever I want. Yeah. So I think that, and just, you know, we, we don't, we don't go out much. We don't go on vacations much. You know, we, we sort of like live simply, I think. And narrow things down to be able to have like this lifestyle that we have so i'd say that that's been the biggest sacrifice just knowing like i'm i'm probably not gonna go on some like really grand european trip and you don't soon. have a boss hey <laughs> i have like six <laughs> right so there's that and that is that is awesome and you know and now now being a mother i think the thing is like i can spend the day just like going on a hike with the baby and you know know that i'll i'll work really hard on that one day i do have childcare to make up for it and you know i'll feel it but i can make that decision for myself so i think Finding the balance for me personally is easier when I'm the one in charge of my schedule. So. so you talked about your security net and establishing that. What was the tipping point? Was it financial, emotional? Did you just get fed up with corporate life and just said, screw it? The tipping point, I'd say... I'd say it was more emotional because I think financially, I think anytime you're leaving a corporate job and doing your own thing, like there is no like really financial, like stable net. So you're sort of know you're jumping into it being a little bit of like unsteady ground for a while. But I think just emotionally, I, I knew that like I couldn't handle sitting in that full-time job anymore, even though it was creatively fulfilling in a lot of ways, all the time and space where it wasn't creatively fulfilling or I was doing the parts of the job that I really didn't like or answering to a boss or, you know, like commuting, all those things were sort of like really eating away at my soul where I was like, I could be painting and doing this. And I was like, you know, I could, I could be doing 
10 hours a day of all this other stuff and imagine what I could be doing. And that was sort of the tipping point and just knowing like finances will will be a struggle maybe and, and we'll figure it out. It'll be up and down. But as long as I can get like my mental and emotional self to feel good, that that will all flow and it will come and we'll figure it out. That's a little bit more like easy to figure out. But you know, if, you're, if your mental health is off, if you're not feeling good, that's not as much of like a straightforward thing to figure out, you know? But at the end of the day, you can always go get a job. At any point, I could go apply for a job. I'm very hireable, you know? <laughs> I can, I'm sure I could go get a, a paying job that is different than this if like finances really hit a point where I need to. But you can't just have an easy fix for your mental health or your emotional well-being. Taylor has a question. I kind of already know the answer to this, but I feel like it's a good <laughs> question. Please. <laughs> On that note of like emotional health, how do you take care of your emotional and mental health being an entrepreneur, being a partner, being a mom, all those things? Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like I have this, you know, little recipe that you learn how to figure out to be okay. And for me, it's a support system, you know, having a community around me. That was a really hard part of of being a solopreneur, which, you know, a lot of us know when you're doing your own thing, like it's isolating. So having people around, having a support system having things where I'm, I'm working with other people and collaborating and, you know, then just exercise nature, time and space to do your thing. Like that's just like a, that's one of my non-negotiables and going into like doing this, going into having a baby. My husband and I said to each other, we're like, we need to have like that, you know, self-care in place so that we can take care of this child. And we just sort of promised each other that that, you know, exercise and like, fresh air that we were going to make sure we both got that and that's helped a ton well I know was it last year you also brought in someone to start helping you with behind the scenes a little yeah. bit yeah how has that been yeah it's been awesome because I have another human with me <laughs> like one day a week you know and part of what this this market and working with Tani has been you know and all these other makers it's that community aspect and yeah having a design assistant it's the same way like she just like her energy is amazing because you get so in your head and she just comes in like a freaking cheerleader boss like doing all the things and I'm like oh thank goodness you're here and you know and it's it's worth every penny and I can't hand everything off to her but to be able to hand some steps off to her to give myself some like mental space for the more creative aspect of things it's been life-changing was it hard handing any of that stuff off to someone else yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you're used to especially doing things that are like every step is made by you and you have to kind of let some things go, not be as much of a perfectionist. There's always a learning curve, of course, but it's, you know, it's like paid dividends for sure. I don't know your name. What's your I name? I do. It's Jess. Okay. Thank you. Jess, <laughs> what's your question? I know Laura really well. Since college, actually. Uh-oh. And I want to know, because I think this is an interesting question for people kind of about marketing yourself, but about Instagram, because I've seen you from the beginning of Instagram and you sometimes struggle. How much of my life do I put on this? How much do I not? And how do you kind of figure out how much of your business, how much of you now, baby? Yeah. That's a good question. Remember when Jess was like, there's this thing called Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's tough. I think my go-to is just to act on Instagram the same way I do in real life. And for me, like it is all very connected. So I think if you're someone that your business is totally separate from you and you don't want to involve yourself in your emotions, I think when you're making art, though, that's really hard because it is all connected, right? It's all one in the same. So for me in person, I'm an open book. I'm a heart on my sleeve. So on Instagram, 
that's I'm the same way. So you're gonna gonna get all of it. You know, you're gonna get like all the the sort of like waxing on about like what does this mean? Yeah. And then you're gonna get the art and the happy. And I think that's that's personally how it works for me. Because otherwise, I get very like discouraged by it if I'm trying to be too separated from it and I can't connect. Then it, then it just feels too much of like a job. So I feel like. I like following people I can actually genuinely connect mm-hmm. to. So even if it is like their business, I still want to know who's behind it. You know, it's important. I'm more yeah. likely to buy something from someone if you have a face to face interaction with them like this market or you get to see them on Instagram. Who is this person making this yeah. behind the scenes? And I think it's important. Yeah. And how often do you just like even if you see a cool product, like I always scroll through and I'm like, but who who are you? Who are you? <laughs> you know, you want to see and like you want to understand you want to be let into their life. And if that's the way you would run your business in person, like why not on Instagram? You know, it should all kind of, I think, flow and be the same. Laura, first of all, I need to thank you for letting this happen today. Tawny. Oh my God, thank also, you. you need to listen to Tawny's episode. She was on Side Hustlers. Her company is Henry. Very cool. And there are a lot of side hustlers in here right now. And I want to shout you guys out. I started writing down your names as you came in because I could not believe that all of you guys were here. We've created this amazing community of guests who have been on this podcast. And it's been incredible for me to be a part of this. So Mitch, shout out to Mitch for being here. Amber from Amber Larks Photography. Uh, Stumptown Coffee, obviously, thank you guys for having us here. Shandon from Alaire, Seattle. Tatum, this is Magazine. All of the Eventists, they're all here. Uh, the Your Fave Scrunchie Girls, they're selling scrunchies made out of my old shirts, which is wild. <laughs> they upcycle scrunchies. It's really cool. Andrea Michelle Photography. Kayla, Seatown Suites. Kelly from Rollick. Well, thank you so much for being here and for connecting so many of us together. I mean, I think Carla Marie is like the great connector of Seattle. We all love listening to her in the morning on 106.1. Thank you. And we love this side hustle of yours, the Side Hustlers podcast. And we're, we're super grateful for it. We're super grateful for all the people you send to the market, the makers, the vendors, and all the people just coming through to shop it. So we're just grateful for you. And there is a common misconception about side hustlers that it's a podcast all about women. And yes, there are a lot of women who side hustle, (laughs) but there are also a lot of men who have been on this podcast. And if you know me, you know that I preach supporting men and women equally because guess for most of us who don't get to work from home, we go to work in the morning and we work with people of the opposite sex. And I think that we need to be equal and support one another and understand that we need to work together. And I hate going to these man bashing events. So I try to make sure that I support men uh, just as much. And ironically, my whole team today is all men. So I've got Jay Bell, who is um, kind of engineering for me today. He works for iHeartRadio. He's in our promotion side and does all of our events. Uh, Anthony, my co-host in the morning, he's some, he's back there. Like my best supporter ever. So the fact that he's even here right now is amazing. And my producer for my podcast, all of it, is Houston. And Houston edits, he knows a lot of your voices. He edits the entire podcast. And recently, the reason I asked the question about handing things off, Laura, I've let him start booking guests and doing things that I am panicking behind the scenes because that is just me. I'm that kind of person. So that's who you need to go meet if you're a side hustler here. Yeah, go to Houston. (laughs) Okay, so Houston also told me that I need to make sure he says something, so I don't know what. See, this part making me very nervous because I have no idea what's happening. And I'm really bad at surprises, so this took... Oh, I God. almost blew it yesterday, I think. I don't even know what you're talking about, um, so this is... <laughs> so, Carla Marie, thank you, first of all, for taking me under your wing, because this is now my side hustle, so it's kind of ironic, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I also reached out to some other people, and they also wanted to say thank you, and it took 
a lot of digging and a lot of help from Anthony. Oh, God. Uh, but I have a little clip of people uh, just saying some kind words. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, CM, it's Angela, Heather, and Melissa from The Aventus. Carla Marie, it's Jensen and Nikolai, the Ombres boys. Hey, Carla Marie, it's Tatum. David here from Rainier Watch. Hey, Carla Marie, this is Mike Meredith. Fred the Mailman here. Happy 100th episode of Side Hustlers, Carla Marie. It's Shandon. My name is Matt. I'm from Seed Tech. Hey, Carla Marie, this is Jen Gunn from Wax Cabin Candle. It's Laura and Tani from Full Moon Market. Hey, Carla Marie. It's Steve from the Roosevelt's, your best friend in the entire world. Hey, Carla Marie, it is your favorite Floridian. It is Froggy. Hey, everyone. Andrea Michelle from Andrea Michelle Photography here. And I just want to say congratulations, Carla Marie. You better believe we're going to be popping a bottle of champagne for your 100th episode. I just hope people know that you truly are such a genuinely kind and generous and incredible human. We love you here at Little Words Project, and I could not be prouder of you. Congrats on 100 episodes. Wow! You are a beast. I cannot believe that you've done 100 episodes. You've been a fantastic influence on people who want to follow their passions and their dreams. Just want to wish you a happy 100th episode. Thank you for everything. Congrats on all your hard work. You're the coolest Jersey girl I know. Congrats, Carla Marie, on 100 episodes. This is insane. We're so grateful for you and for this podcast and for connecting so many people to the Full Moon Market. Congratulations for your 100th episode of the Side Hustlers podcast. Continue changing the world. Continue inspiring people. Continue being a badass. I'm stoked for your next 100 episodes. Cheers. Here's to 100 more. Congratulations on 100 episodes. Super proud of you. Love you so much. And here's to 100 more episodes. Okay. Thank you. I told myself I wasn't going to cry, and I almost cried in the beginning, and then I was like, yes, we're done. I didn't cry. Thank you, Houston. That was awesome. And thank you, everyone who did that. That was really cool. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you guys. So let's go drink some seltzer. (laughs) 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 Thank you, guys. That was awesome. And that was the 100th episode of my Side Hustlers podcast. Thank you for being here, whether the 100th was your first or if it was your 100th. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. All of these small business owners who you have supported over the last two years also appreciate you. So thank you so much for everything you've done, especially with last week's episode, which was how to help a small business right now. It's crazy for small businesses and through these uncertain times. And if you can help support them in any way possible, it is very much appreciated. So next week, I'm going to have another episode that is similar to that one. If you have any guests that you want me to bring back, message me at the Carla Marie. I'd love to have them on. If you have any questions you want to ask a small business owner right now at the Carla Marie on Instagram, let me know. You can also reach out to us, sidehustlerspodcast at gmail.com. That's a super easy way to get in touch. And right now, if you shop any side hustler who has been on this podcast in the last two years, if you screenshot your order or your receipt, whatever it is, and message it to me on Instagram, I will send you one of my side hustler stickers when it's safe to go to the post office. Thank you for being here. It's at the Carla Marie on Instagram, Laura Burkhart on Instagram. Go support Laura. She's an incredible human. Thank you, Laura, for being a part of this monumental moment in my side hustlers podcast and uh, side hustlers podcast at gmail.com is another way to get in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next week, keep hustling. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 